0: Welcome to The Sustainable Table. I'm your host, Brent Rosen. Today, our guest is Kristen Essig, who, with her partner, Michael Stolfus, owns Coquette and Talia in New Orleans. Kristen and I are friends. The last time I saw her was in early March. I had run over to Talia to visit with she and her sous chef, Anna Castro, about Anna doing a dinner with the museum for part of our SoFab night series, which is now obviously on hold. And going to see Kristen and Talia is a little bit like going to see the, the Godfather at their restaurant of choice. It's just a couple people in there. You sit down at the table and, and Kristen holds court. She's one of the most influential of the restaurateurs in New Orleans today and has taken so many principled stands on issues of workplace harassment, work-life balance, treating people the right way, and, and how the restaurant industry has not always been as good as it could be to its people. And Kristen doesn't just talk about it, but she really is about it. She lives it. And we're gonna talk on this interview a little bit about her restaurant Talia. And what I love about Talia is that when you walk in there, it has that feeling of a restaurant that just is working right. And if you spend a lot of time in restaurants, and believe me I do, there there gets a feeling you get when you walk in where you can see the staff are, are having a good time being there and the work is good and people are communicating and, and there's a bounce and a light and a a just sense that everyone who is there wants to be and is enjoying themselves, whether they're guests or staff. And Talia has had that vibe since the first day that I walked in. What makes it great is Kristen is a very experienced restaurateur who has worked in, in all sorts of capacities in the business, and what she was able to do is channel her knowledge and expertise and passion into creating a restaurant that really operates for the people who work there more than for the guest. And while that may seem kind of counterintuitive, if the people who work there are having a good time, then you know the guests at a restaurant will have a good time too. And I look forward to Kristen telling you more about what she and Michael are doing between Coquette and Talia and their work together. I'm also excited for you to learn more about what she is currently doing with our friend Devin DeWolf, who is a, a local artist head of the crew of Red Beans and part of an exhibit at the Southern Food and Beverage Museum that is very popular, and we'll be sure to include a photo of that when we uh, share this on social media. But they're doing some incredible work together, helping a lot of people in New Orleans and giving a lot of people hope at a time when there just isn't a lot out there. When we come back, Kristen Essig. Kristen, how are you this afternoon? I'm
1: doing great. How are you?
0: <laughs> you know, weird, but not doing, yeah, not doing too fair. badly g- given. Uh, I'm glad that I took the podcast equipment home with me, and mm-hmm. it's given me an opportunity to really learn how to use it, which is nice. But yeah, that's um, great. Yeah, it's, it's the museum. We're, we're doing a lot of, of making things and creating different virtual experiences and in other ways to connect with people, which is fun but you are actually able to directly connect with people still through uh, your restaurants, Talia and Coquette. Um, What are y'all doing right now during the quarantine um, at at Coquette and at Talia?
1: So right now during the quarantine, both of the physical restaurants are closed to the public, but we are doing um, a limited menu at Coquette that's available for a no contact pickup. Um, it's centered around our fried chicken, which is not how we wanted to bring fried chicken back, (laughs) but, um, we decided that it was one of the things that people really love. It's something that we really enjoy. Um, it's very comforting, which I think people are looking for for some very comforting things right now. And, uh, that's all coming out of Coquette as well as some desserts and other prepared items. It's far from what we offer every day at Coquette, but it is sort of filling a need or, you know, or sort of a niche for people. Um. At Salia, we are cooking family meals for our furloughed staff. There's about 40 members of our staff oh, that wow. we had to lay off that's, yep, that's temporarily. Um, so we're doing that on Wednesday through Saturday. We offer family meal to be picked up and packaged up and then um, delivered to them. And, uh, and then we are also doing, um, in cooperation with the crew of Red Beans, we're working on their initiative called Peace The Frontline. Uh, and that's where we are preparing meals for different hospitals throughout the city. Um, and for for example, today we're cooking 220 meals, uh, and we're, we actually made this delicious, like tomato Provencal with a touch of, uh, a little touch of Mexico via Lydia and Anna with their Chipotle that they brought in. So we're having fun staying busy. I keep telling people that it, uh keeps our bodies busy and our hearts strong, so it's nice. It's good to be preoccupied, and we're able to accommodate small members of staff um, in each restaurant so we're not all, you know, literally on top of each other, um, sort of maintaining safety while we're at work and not just when we're dealing with the public.
0: Wow, that's amazing. And so tell me a little bit more, the, the crew of Red Beans, how did you get involved with the crew of Red Beans, and, and what is it that they are doing right now for healthcare workers?
1: So Devin DeWolf um, is a friend of mine. He also is an artist that created um, our artwork um, and actually our logo at Salia. Um, uh or I'm sorry, Devin is the founder of the crew of Red Beans. It was started in the fall of 2008. And they've always had sort of a philanthropic bend to their work. So they are a 501c3 organization. Um, and his wife happens to be an emergency room doctor. So right when this was sort of all starting to take place, she mentioned that one day one of the doctors or nurses had brought some cookies in that one of their partners had made at home and how it sort of just transformed the break room into this sort of dark place into a, hey, a cookie fixes just about anything for a few minutes. And what they decided to do was they started talking about, like, hey, wouldn't it be great if we could find a way to fundraise money where we could pay restaurants so to sort of keep restaurants on life support, as it were, um, provide food for hospital workers that's delicious, coming from some of the best restaurants in the city. And then also, they're hiring out of work gig workers, specifically musicians and artists, to deliver that food. So it's sort of this big platform that is just very reciprocal. Like it, it goes in this big circle. You know, everyone is being paired a, fa- a fair wage. Everyone's receiving a delicious meal. Um, the community is allowed to contribute in a, in a financial way. Um, he's also always looking for volunteers. So, it's just—it's fantastic. its fantastic. It's been really great. I, I can't speak highly enough about it.
0: Well, it's really amazing because the, the crew of Red Beans is such a, a neat organization uh, during Mardi Gras. And where, right. you know, they do the Monday parades. And for those who aren't from New Orleans, it's a Mardi Gras tradition people to do costuming in different bean-themed attire. And Kristen, you're a member of the crew, aren't you?
1: I am. It's funny. I'm actually a member of the crew of Red Beans. I have been for the last two years, but I've never had time to make a suit because um, I I work a lot. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm also one of the co-founders of this initiative that we've put together here. So he brought me on to sort of talk a little bit about the food safety and the chef's um, interaction. So they're just making sure we're passing on good information to the people who are receiving the food, and that it's being prepared in a safe way.
0: And so you said you are preparing about 220 meals. How many total meals are being delivered in a day to to hospital workers?
1: So it's it fluctuates from day to day. Um, we let me see here. I've got a couple of things. So the first, their very first. Delivery was sixty cookies, and they delivered sixty cookies to the ER staff at um, University Medical Center, and that's where Devin's wife Mm works. And then it quickly scaled up. We went from that one initial delivery that was on the eighteenth of March. On the twenty-third of March, which was the next Monday, um, they had a thousand and fifty-two meals were prepared, and then seven thousand dollars worth of food orders went out that day. Oh wow! So it's really, it's really crazy.
0: That's just unbelievable, and, and it, are, are it's there really other? Are there other restaurants that are participating as well?
1: Oh yeah, there's many. So um, other than Coquette and Salia, there's also Joey K's, Cake Cafe, Heard That Kitchen, uh, Tasty Treat, Galaxy Tacos, Margie's Grill, Blue Giant, Bespindo Sweets, and Justine. And there's more coming online as we get our, our, um, uh, funding sort of, you know, we're looking to raise about 16 to $20,000 a day, um, to feed thousands of hospital workers. Um, but also again, it's not just about donating food because I, I don't have the money to donate food right now. I, I'm, you know, I'm on life support because of this program. This place is keeping my abated rent and it's feeding my furloughed staff. So (laughs) it's, it's a win-win. It it's really a, is a, an unbelievable thing.
0: Wow. It's, it's community, helping community, and, and really taking advantage of the local networks and relationships that that Devin has built through the years through the crew of Red Beans and that you've built through the mm-hmm. years through the industry. It's, it's really just an, an amazing thing. We've talked about mm-hmm. the resiliency and creativity of, of the restaurant business, and, and I think this is such a great example of that. And, and have you seen other neat things like this that people have been able to do to keep people working, keep food being cooked, and, and to help people?
1: I mean, there's there's so many great things going on. I mean, we actually, um, I think everyone is doing what they can as far as restaurant owners are trying to help their staff find employment in other places. I mean, we've been able to actually, our, our third partner is a lawyer and has a law firm. And it turns out that we had a lot of members of our staff that spoke fluent Spanish. And they're being able to be used as translators right now in their law firm. So that's an amazing thing. They're actually probably making more money being a translator in a law firm than they are being a cook or a server or a host. Um, And then we also have amazing groups like the Toops are doing family meals every single day. Uh, We've got a, a couple other restaurants that are doing family meals that are sort of open to the public. I know one of our produce vendors, which is Louisiana Fresh Produce is doing um, essentially like a grocery shopping for industry workers that are not employed at the moment. Um, they let them walk through uh, the warehouse and pick up two bags of groceries. I mean, there's, there's so many great ways to do it. I think the biggest thing that to keep in mind is something that I heard um, Julia Tersh speak a couple of years ago, and she's like, you don't have to reinvent the wheel and trying to find ways to help people. You just have to keep that wheel spinning. So the thing that we do really well in the city of New Orleans especially, I think, is the camaraderie and the community of our restaurant people. It's not a cutthroat, um, super competitive space. I think we're willing to share resources. We're willing to share um, ideas. We're willing to listen. It's really fantastic. And I think that that's something that we are only getting better at right now. You know, we're all working together towards a common goal.
0: And it's, it's really incredible to see. And if for people who are listening that want to volunteer or donate money or help in the efforts that you are doing with the crew of Red Beans, where's the best place for people to find out about that?
1: So the best place to uh, find out about that right now is see the Frontline NOLA. And if you Google that or type it into your web browser, you should be able to find it easily. They're also on Instagram. Um, They have a couple of different ways to sort of fund. So you can fund individual meals. You can fund large chunks. You can do, you know, you can donate snacks. You can donate an entire day. We've had some amazing um, donations in the last couple of days from celebrities and, you know, uh, sports people. Cam Jordan, um, another really great Orlando Magic player. um, I believe his name is DJ Augustin. Yes, that's correct. uh, Yeah, born and raised in New Orleans, and he wanted to do something to help out. So he sponsored two full days, I believe $20,000 worth of meals. That's amazing. Um, It's really great. I mean, it's really fantastic. I mean, this is just, you know, restaurants everywhere are used to being asked for, you know, for food, for labor, for silent auction things, for private dinners, for, you know, all of these things. And we are usually more than happy to accommodate, you know, but... At the end of the day, what's really nice about this is that I think that this is a great way for people who have been able to make those requests and had them granted by restaurants and restaurant owners to give back and say, oh, hey, like this is pretty great. We can, I can go back and I can support this group that's given me a gift certificate of $150 for the last 10 years of operation. That's a great way for them to fund it. And it doesn't just go to one person, you know, it goes to a whole group of
0: people sure and 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 then that reverberates itself throughout the community you know after it leaves the restaurant and and that's i think something that you always have to remember with almost Mm -hmm. 20 percent of the the people employed in this town employed in the hospitality business there's just an awful lot of other people who are who are hurting that you know the restaurant industry supports themselves yeah Um, i mean
1: one of the other things that we have to think about as well um is supply chains and making sure that we're keeping the supply chains open because Once we stop using products you know, we stop having farmers that that harvest them, we stop having delivery drivers that drive trucks to get get us goods. I mean, this is a lot more than just cooks and servers. This is farmers, these are people who work in slaughterhouses, these are people who are delivering your wine or selling your wine or you know, I mean it's just so much. It touches so many different people.
0: Sure. And and you know, that's let's let's go to a quick break and when we come back That Mm -hmm. discussion of the local economy and the ways that your restaurants are able to support it is really something we want to touch on as we talk more about the sustainability story of Talia and Coquette. And we Mm -hmm. will jump into that as soon as we are back. Okay, The Sustainable Table is part of the Southern Food and Beverage Museum's Sustainable Table initiative brought to you by Domino Sugar. The Sustainable Table is produced on the Nitty Grits podcast network of the Southern Food and Beverage Museum. You can find us at Eat Drink SoFab on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Check out our online offerings on our YouTube page. You can just look up Southern Food and Beverage Museum. And if you have kids, definitely look at what we're doing with SoFab Kids on YouTube. We've got some really fun little programs arts and crafts projects, all that good stuff. Check out other podcasts on the Nitty Grits Podcast Network, like Tip of the Tongue, featuring Southern Food and Beverage Museum founder, Liz Williams. Tip of the Tongue with Liz Williams explores how food and drink intersect and affect culture at every level, from highbrow to lowbrow. All of human experience can be observed through the lens of food and drink. Tip of the Tongue is distributed on the Nitty Grits Network of the National Food and Beverage Foundation. You can subscribe wherever you listen to your
1: podcasts.
0: Check out more podcasts from the Southern Food and Beverage Museum on our website at southernfood.org and look for the podcast tab. Kristen, before we went to our break, you were talking a little bit about some of the vendors and purveyors and people that you work with at Talia. And, mm-hmm. you know, we've talked a little bit about what's going on now, but I want to change gears a little and talk some about just Talia, the restaurant and and the place. So tell me your tell me about Talia. How did it come about? Where is it? What's it like?
1: So. Thalia is um, a very small restaurant. It has about 40 seats that includes the bar. Um, It's on the corner of Thalia and Constance Streets in the Lower Garden District. and It came out of a really organic um, thought process between my partner Michael Solstice Solstice and I. Um, We have a restaurant in the Garden District called Coquette and that restaurant's been up and running since 2008. And We really wanted to try to find a platform for a lot of the really talented people that are working in our restaurants, because we don't see ourselves as people that are probably going to have five, seven, ten restaurants. We are more interested in helping the people that we work with, that we see talent and promise in, helping them create their own platforms and maybe helping them open their own restaurants. So we wanted to try to open something that was small, that was manageable, um, not just in size, but just in, you know, pace and staffing, um, something that we're all very stressed about these days. Uh, wanting to make sure that we could teach our, for example, our very talented cooks and zoo chefs how to run the front of the house, how to work numbers, how to run a computer system, how to run um, the the ordering system that we use. And then seeing people in the front of the house, our bartenders or our managers perhaps, bringing them into the whole thing of how do you do food costing? Because a lot of people are very good at a specific part of a job in a restaurant, but not many people know all the business parts of it. So when we first opened Salia, we brought over two members from our kitchen and staff, and we hired two bartenders. And we essentially said, we want to give you guys the skills that one day you can open a restaurant of your own. And that's where we sort of started. Um, the other thing that, you know, sort of wanted us to go is that, you know, when you're in the world of perceived fine dining, you kind of just want to cook the exact opposite thing at home. (laughs) And, and that's kind of the food that you're looking to eat when you're not at work. So we really wanted to create a restaurant that was an example of somewhere where we would go on a night off. That didn't for us in our specific neighborhood really exist. Um. We also thought there was a really interesting way to tie all of those things in by finding a way to not only be sustainable, but to also be extremely smart and conscious of spending by using all of the byproduct and trim from a lot of the things that are very refined at Coquette and finding a second or new purpose for them at Valium. So most of our menu items have at least one component that is considered a byproduct from of the production of a fine dining dish at Coquette. So one of those examples is we have a bolognese um, it's probably the, the pasta that anchors our pasta menu here um, it's made with some of the trim from a braised short rib the braised short rib at Coquette is this beautiful three day long preparation of where they're cured for a day they're then smoked and then they're braised and then we cut these beautiful squares or shapes of them and there's always a little bit of trim Mm -hmm. So now we take all that little bit of trim, we um, grind it, and then we add it to our bolognese at the end. So it's a way for us to make sure that we're using every single piece, and we're actually profitable off of it as well.
0: The staffing at Talia is neat, and I've never really been to a restaurant where it seems like you have people doing kind of all of the things at once. And and you mentioned that part of that was in the training, but Mm -hmm. what kind of flexibility does it give you? with your staff to to run the way that you do?
1: Well, so something that's really funny is that when we when we opened Valia, we were like, we were coming from this restaurant that, uh, we were coming from Coquette, that's like a 120 feet restaurant. We have a, about 40 people working there. And we we're like, oh, well this is gonna be so much easier, right, like no big deal, we've got 10 employees here. But then we just realized that we created a whole new set of problems for ourselves. Cause <laughs> I was like, oh, well we've just started a whole new model. so. <laughs> let's see what happens. So what we ended up doing is we try to cross train people as much as possible. Um, so for example, it's also a, a fully tipped house. Um, so everyone shares in the tips, um, except for myself as an owner, I, I can't easily take any part in tips to belong to employees. So everyone is paid a higher minimum wage. Um, they are not actually paid above the federally mandated minimum wage, which is you know I think crazy that we don't actually have a state mandated minimum wage in the state of Louisiana it's actually a federal mandate because we don't have one of our own um, so we pay everyone in the restaurant ten dollars an hour and then pools are distributed based on the amount of time uh, that you contribute to the pool so it's been pretty much around 25 to 27 dollars uh, working at a casual restaurant per hour that people are averaging other great thing about it is that we're closed on Sundays and Mondays and one of the things that I've always been extremely frustrated with in a fine dining setting is that a lot of people think that the more they work for free or the earlier they show up and they are not paid for their labor the faster they're going to advance and I think that labor should have money attached to it so this way we make sure that people are working no more than 50 to 55 hours a week they're being properly compensated for their time, and they're also getting to learn as much about every single role in the restaurant as possible.
0: Kristen, could you have opened a restaurant that operated like this ten years ago, or is this something that is kind of a culmination of of your own experiences and philosophies?
1: I really don't know i really don't I don't know if I have an answer for that. I think I've always wanted to try something like this. Um, I have an unbelievable support system through not only the people that work at Valley as employees here, but also as, but also as uh, my partners are concerned, you know, we have a, a partner named John Butler and he's an amazing tax lawyer. And then we have M- Michael Soltis, who is my partner as well. And they've both contributed so much that I can't even tell you, Like it just needs, like just to have someone to run it by, a lot of people just don't want to change anything as far as I'm concerned, the model that we run right now, it's just not a sustainable way to take care of people. It doesn't teach them enough skills. It doesn't protect them in times like this. Um, And those are all things that we're working on. And and at 40 seats,
0: and and we're kind of circling back now to where we started, but Mm -hmm. you had mentioned the vendors and and your ability to work within the local economy very much because of your size. Who are Mm -hmm. some of the, the vendors that you're excited about?
1: So I think the thing that I, you know, we, we've always had some really great farmers and we've got some really great back, like backyard farmers, um, that I, I really love. Like I've got this guy that lives in Metairie and he grows a ton of tomatoes because it's like his favorite thing. To do. He grows so many, he just has too many tomatoes. So I buy his tomatoes. He wanted to give them to me and I was like, I'm not going to take them. I will pay you for your product, but I'm not going to take your product. Um, you know, we work with, uh, Michelle Posey with Pelican Produce. And she's just an amazing example of how someone came back after Hurricane Katrina. She started her farm on nine lots um, in the Lower Ninth Court and turned that into an urban farm, essentially, um, along with her father. Uh, we work with the Higgins family, which is a, a crabbing family in Lafitte, and they're absolutely fantastic people, best quality products ever. Um, I can't imagine buying crabs from anyone else. And then another vendor that's I've really enjoyed becoming friends with and learning more about what they do um, because I think it's such a big part of what we do in general is Schmellies and Schmellies is a composting company and they've also started recycling our our oil that we use in our fryer um, to turn into biodiesel to power all of their vehicles. So that's been a really great thing as well. And then in turn, he will bring the compost for when I want to turn over my garden at home or plant herbs and containers in the front of the shop. So. That's been a really fascinating thing, just learning about like the value of what so many people consider to be garbage, and I really, I really love that relationship.
0: A- absolutely. And have you, you had mentioned that sometimes you're able to use some of the stuff from Coquette as as part of your dishes. Have you found mm-hmm. through your relationships with vendors other things that have come on the menu that were unexpected or uh, specials that you've run really just based on a, a relationship you have with a farmer or a, a fisherman.
1: I, I would honestly say that every single thing that we do is based on a relationship with a farmer or fisherman. There's, there's not, we don't, we don't, to be completely honest, I don't know if I can say this or not, but we don't put bullshit on our menu just because I think it's going to sell well. We have a lot of things that we're like, hey, if this is an undervalued product or if this is a person that we value highly, we want to make sure that they are well represented. And we create, we create dishes for both restaurants based on the quality of what we receive. And that's just how every single thing goes
0: through. We are coming up to the end of our time. And I really appreciate your, your telling us the, the sustainability stories and, and what you're able to do at, at a local level in the community with, with people, You know, not just in food, but, but well beyond. Where can people be eating your food uh, for the near term?
1: So for the near term, the best place to go is to coquettnola.com. Um, It's also Coquette Nola 2800 on Instagram. Um, those are places where we post our menus daily and we're doing um, pick up four days a week. So Thursday through Saturday, um, we're doing it from four to eight. And the menu changes a little bit every day. So we can still work those small farmers and then accommodate quantity needs and all this things. So Coquette's going to be your best bet, but Sally and Coquette will both be here when this is all over. So we will entertain you in home soon. <laughs>
0: Well, that's wonderful, and Kristen, I appreciate you taking the time. I know just how busy you are, keeping keeping all of those people fed and and all of the other 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 balls in the air of a, a restaurateur. <laughs> but uh, so I do appreciate you taking the time out, and thank you for appearing on Sustainable Table.
1: That's my pleasure. Thank you so much.
0: We'll talk soon. Thanks. I really appreciate Kristen's thoughts on, on what sustainability means in a restaurant, because it is beyond the menu, and it is about how you treat your staff. There's really nothing sustainable about a place where people hate to go to work because they're treated badly, they're not compensated for what they're doing, and the people who employ them don't see them as anything but you know a means to an end. And Kristen really created a place where, where the end is everyone having a nice time it's a, it's a mom-and-pop type place with an adopted family, and every meal there is a good meal. No matter how long it takes or, or what things look like, when we do get back from all of this corona craziness, I think restaurants are going to look a little bit more like Talia and what Kristen's doing there with her team. The way they're able to impact the community, enjoy the work they do, work with local purveyors, and, and create not just an experience but a, a sense of home for the people who come there, that's just what people are looking for. If you can, support the crew of Red Beans and their work by Googling Feed the Front Line or looking up the crew of Red Beans or Feed the Front Line on Instagram. And support Kristen and Michael by visiting their restaurant, Coquette, and picking up some carryout. Like she said, Thursdays through Saturdays, they will be there. And I think I might enjoy a little fried chicken from them myself soon. Thanks all for listening, and we will be back next week with some more sustainable table.